All right. Happy Friday, everyone. We are back with another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and getting your questions answered. So today I'm joined by Matt Parson, and he's the founder of Benji. And we are going to be talking about all things virtual experience. So I'm really excited about this. This is a space I love. I love digging into this, and I think it's an important topic especially, I think it has been for a long time, but especially now with everything going on in the world, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this discussion. So if you're just joining us now, if you're joining us live, go ahead, give us a thumbs up, like, share, tag somebody in who'd benefit from the conversation while we're getting started. And also for those of you watching, please comment in and let us know where you are joining from today. So I'm in Waukesha, Wisconsin, as always. And by the way, if you saw my teaser post on Tuesday, I told you to be watching for this episode to see if you could pick up what's changed in my environment. So you can comment in and see if you can tell a difference from my normal setup. I'm curious what, I won't spoil why, but I'm curious if people can pick up on it. But anyway, Matt, where are you today? Uh, I'm joining you from Toronto, Canada. Okay. All right. You're, you're up North, eh? Although, wait, I'm trying to remember Toronto. Do you say a there? I had somebody from Canada the other day and they're like, no, that's certain regions. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think many Canadians would admit to saying a, but sometimes we can catch ourselves uh, saying it. <laughs> that's fine. And I say that in, in good spirits. My, my aunt is from British Columbia and she says okay. it all the time. And so I remember going up there and yeah. she would always say a, all right. So, Okay, here's our question, question, and all of you watching, you can play along as well. I'd encourage you to. Question unrelated to the topic today. Matt, what is your all-time favorite viral video, but it has to be from 10 years ago or longer? Uh, that's a tough one, but I'm going to have to, it's so stupid. It's, it's like five seconds long. It's that, um, video of the chipmunk. Um, I think it's chipmunk, maybe a, a moment, uh, on a mountain that sort of is just stands up and starts screaming Alan. Um, and I think part of it is that we had a friend, uh, named Ellen and we would just like ruthlessly do that meme to him for some reason, anytime he was around. So, okay. um, yeah, it's going to have to be that video. Okay. All right. I, I know which one you're talking about, right? The, the chipmunk standing all very proper. And then he's yelling, Ellen, yeah. Ellen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Wow. I, I had forgotten about that one, but that brings back some fond memories. Yeah. Okay. So for me, all right, this one. I was reminded of this one maybe a couple weeks ago on Facebook because somebody had, I don't know, some posts like top viral videos from wherever. And then I remembered this and I went, oh my word. And now I listen to this song every once in a while because it brought it back. But do you remember the Numa Numa kid? I, I, right? When you said song. <laughs> right? So good. Uh, so good. I watched the whole video and now, yeah, every once in a while I do listen to the song because that one brings me back. So anyway, all right. <laughs> oh, somebody did correct us. So technically it was not a chipmunk. It was a meerkat. Perfect. Like apparently a meerkat. All right. So Mike, thank you for the clarification on that one. All right. So we're talking about virtual engagement, virtual mm -hmm. collaboration, all this good stuff. Uh, so before we get into that though, what's, what's kind of your background in this? Like, how did you end up being Matt Parsons, Benji virtual dude? Uh, it's a pretty circuitous route to getting to where we're, where I am now. Okay. Um, but I'll give you the, the kind of abridged version. Um, so roughly five years ago, uh, myself and two others, we started a school called Red Academy. So it was, um, we were kind of seeing these tech boot camps pop up, um, trying to sort of teach people to become full stack devs in uh, sort of two months. And we said, that's insane. So we sort of um, created these tools that uh, would teach you one side of the stack, so front end or back end in six months. So it was kind of the same approach, uh, but let's kind of get a bit more into the guts of, of the meat uh, of, um, of the material. But through that process, I sort of started to appreciate that um, the landscape of learning, this is more on the consumer side, was broken down into paying tens of thousands of dollars to learn um, tech skills, yeah. or paying almost nothing and just learning by yourself. 
Okay. No affordable or accessible way to learn within a community. So with that sort of very um, kind of high- there was, big, there was just the two ends of the spectrum. It was exactly. either like super expensive, super immersive type stuff. And then it was like, well, or you're on your own, it's free, but you really don't have anything. You got it. And then you start digging into completion rates and it, it's pretty abysmal. Um, and sort of a lot of research in there showed that it's because people lack the support and accountability of learning with others. Okay. So we launched Benji. And Benji 1.0 was really a tool that would allow you to find uh, a community of people that had a similar skill level, schedules, um, mm. and kind of learning goals uh, that you could learn with, with the kind of idea that if you had a group of people that you're learning with, uh, you're, in, you're gonna increase the likelihood of you actually completing those online courses. So kind of blending the digital and, and in-person. It was about bringing you together with other people that had kind of similar goals and outcomes. You got it. And uh, it was all peer to peer. And what we found was um, our initial idea was like, well, you just put a bunch of people in a room, uh, give them some pretty explicit instructions on here's what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, they're adults, they'll figure it out and it will work. And what we realized was that um, chaos uh, ensues. Chaos ensued. <laughs> and so, I mean, you'd have the classic, right? Like, um, Hey, we're going to spend 15 minutes discussing this topic. Uh, share what was your so number one um, hairy problem from this week's uh, sort of content, and no one speaks up. No one wants to be the yeah. first to kind of to take charge. Uh, or you have one person who speaks for for 85 percent of the time, and meanwhile, everyone else is rolling their eyes. And so. Um, we sort of had people come in and we sort of had them, um, act as what we called the minimal viable facilitator. Okay. What, kind of a moderator the, type thing. Yeah. What's the least amount of intervention that you can provide to allow that peer group to get to a productive place and, uh, to make a long story short, if that's possible at this point, um, we started to, to sort of realize that there are. Um, some structures to a lot of these classic workshop activities that we can build technology um, to facilitate these groups of people through uh, these activities. And uh, we then sort of built this platform that helped teams practice um, skills. We really focused on leadership sales skills. And then of course, with, um, with COVID, um, everyone had to go digital and we realized yeah. that yeah, like overnight. Overnight, that these um, kind of digital activities that we had built were desperately needed uh, within the virtual realm because if you're just on a Zoom call, you're lacking the necessary structure to get people engaged uh, and have them sort of really uh, sort of apply their skills, get the feedback that they need, et cetera, et cetera. So. Um, that's kind of the, the, art. So that's the story. well, what's interesting about that though. And I, and I actually didn't know the 1.0 story, right. Mm -hmm. Was that, you know, it originally started as this, that's how you learned what you ended up building into Benji. If I'm understanding you right, was you were like, okay, clearly just dumping people in a place and assuming that because they're adults, they'll figure it out. Didn't work. But at the same time, we don't want to swing the other way and over, overdo it. So like, what are those almost kind of catalysts that you need to sprinkle in that actually spark the rest of the room to get where you want to go? If I'm, if I'm assessing that correctly. Sure. Yeah. So, um, in a lot of ways, actually you can look to game design, uh, for inspiration. So, um, let's take a, a quick step out of the, the idea of learning, um, and just go to board games. You can drop, um, sort of, let's say, uh, settlers of Catan within a group of four people and reasonably, you know, within a, a short period of time, they're off engaging in some pretty high level sort of thinking okay. uh, that requires interaction between those, those folks. And so for us, um, the kind of uh, things that we pulled from that were uh, it's, you have to have very clear instructions on the why, what, and how. Okay. And so for us, we're, Every activity, it's like the why. What is um, the larger outcome that we're looking to accomplish by everyone sort of going through this? And everyone needs to be able to sort of make that connection um, that's within that learning group. Okay. The what is like, well, what is, 
like what is it that we're actually about to be doing? Um, and I think it, within that, some clear descriptions of timing and roles and responsibilities. Uh, and then the how of like literally at the sort of the ground level of like, well, what do I need to be doing to actually accomplish that? So um, we kind of have that check checkbox um, level of, of sort of clarity. It's the intentionality behind this, right? Figuring out like, what are we yeah. really trying to drive? And then how do we, how do we actually incite and inspire that in, in the moment? Yeah. Okay. Did you have any, did you have any that you thought would like, and again, I guess we'll, we'll dig into like what those are, but were there any ones that you're like, Oh, this is totally going to be, this is totally going to work. And it, it totally did not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, early days uh we were playing with different icebreaker games okay. um and we had a, a whole course around active listening okay we came up with this really fun activity where basically uh we're gonna play a game of telephone so basically one per and of yep. course this was um pre-covid this is everyone in person one person on their phone gets pinged the secret message which they then need to sort of like whisper to the person to their right and then it goes around but our sort of little tweak to this game, the symbol game of telephone, was that while that message is getting passed around the room, everyone on their phone is also competing in a rapid fire trivia game. And so it's a bit on the nose, but we're, we were creating this icebreaker game to show that um, so just being on your phone might seem harmless, but uh, it can have detrimental effects to your ability to actually sort of uh, okay. listen. And, uh, what was really interesting was um, like you have to have every person in the room understand the game of telephone and they're right. Cause like one missing link um, can, can just completely can dramatically. It. I know I've seen that game go completely South where you assume like, well, everybody knows how to play telephone yeah. and like one person doesn't quite get the point of the game or the, exactly. the rules. Okay. And, and it, it definitely, I think, was like culturally related. So, like, if you are f fresh to Canada or, or uh, you know, in the states, um, that you might never have heard of telephone. And to uh, get someone in a short period of time uh, up to speed on like the purpose of this game, how it's played, the do's and the don'ts, um, that takes a bit of time. And so, anyways, that that was a, a very silly uh, game. Okay. And um, the kind of learning that we pulled from that actually is um, we make sure that sort of there's there's only ever one sort of uh, objective or sort of directive okay. at any one point in time. And so to try and kind of stack both telephone and the rapid fire trivia, although although a fun game, fun, um, yeah, but the cognitive. <laughs> a little bit too much. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, one thing I am curious about, because we've been talking a little bit about this and we've kind of highlighted the problem st statements, but let's, at a very high level, this is a, this is a tool that this isn't replacing like Zoom or GoToMeeting or anything like that, correct? Or is it, what is the, what is the tool itself? Sure. So we, we call ourselves um, like the missing half of Zoom. Okay. When it comes to the concept half of, of Zoom, that's a lot more to say than Benji, but okay, I got it. <laughs> um, so we're not looking to get into the space of recreating uh, uh, so a, a video conferencing platform. Okay. We think that there's so much trust in those relationships that people have with video conferencing tools that yeah. that's a that's a a game that we don't want to play with. Okay. But that being said there's a lot that's missing within sort of a zoom environment to sort of allow you to have really engaging experiences. So what Benji uh, is, we call ourselves like the remote workshop platform. Okay. So uh, maybe to kind of Goldilocks this description uh, to give some bearing to sort of what the market is right now. Yeah. Really you've got um, sort of three choices. So on one hand, you've got interactive presentations. Okay. So we've all seen that polls, word clouds, like pretty light touch, um, not super dynamic engagements that yep. really was in initially built for conferences. How can we make right. how can we make a talk to a, a thousand people feel a little bit more personal and a little bit more interactive? Uh, but I think most people would say that you know, just 
putting up a word cloud is a far cry from like a really engaging hands-on activity. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, the other sort of path that we've seen a lot of people take when it comes to um, introducing that additional sort of component to a Zoom environment to make it more engaging are collaborative docs. So Google Docs or yeah, Collab. Yeah, we have Collab everybody working on something. Yeah, so collaborative whiteboards is another um, uh, sort of tool that, that's starting to pick up steam. And what we found is that um, they're, they're almost like, when it comes to the collaborative whiteboards, almost like a pro tool. Like it takes some time to really orientate yourself to the space. Um, if your activities aren't purely visual, it can feel a little bit like you're trying to smash a, a square peg through a round hole. Um, like Role-playing activities, let, let's say, for example, like why am I using a collaborative whiteboard for this? Um, and as well, like you throw 30 people onto a collaborative whiteboard, you very quickly have like a hurricane of multicolored cursors that are just like <laughs> flying around everywhere. And you're like, this is anxiety inducing. I don't like this. I, I don't want to engage with that. Um, so where well, the thing I've seen with some of that too, I mean, they're not, I, I think you hit on that, right? So you, I, I get the, the two spectrums, right? In the beginning. And it is funny because those, a lot of those cloud tools in the beginning, do you remember the days with like the original where you actually handed out yeah. buzzers to people, right? <laughs> that was like the first generation where it was like, Hey, you all get a thing and you can push a button. And then we got to the cloud ones. But the thing too, with those collaborative, the much more kind of collaborative ones, sometimes we overestimate the tech technical savviness and acumen of an audience, right? Like, even like you said, like getting everybody to write on a whiteboard, not, not everybody has a stylus or, you know, things like that. And it can get pretty crazy pretty quickly. So, I mean, if we're um, taking the Goldilocks um, uh, analogy to its conclusion, we're that perfect temperature of oatmeal where like, <laughs> You've gone. Now I'm uh, seeing where the Goldilocks thing was coming in. I'm like, the Goldilocks thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Too hot, too cold, so, <laughs> right in the yeah. middle. So Just that, right. Um, we've got all the simplicity um, of sort of those engagement, those interactive presentations where easy enough, put your name in, put the room code in, and sort of we've got some very clear sort of ways to engage through your phone. Um, but we've built it in a way that allows you to do a lot more um, kind of dynamic and sort of uh, sort of hands-on style activities that you would reasonably expect someone who would be a pro user on a whiteboard to be able to do. So um, effectively, we're a catalog of different workshop activities um, that can be run in that format. So icebreakers, brainstorms, uh, a really cool one that we've recently released is like collaborative team worksheets. Let's say you want to break people off into groups of two. And it's kind of like a mini Google Doc. They can both sort of collaborate on it. Like, what are all those classic workshop activities that you're now scratching your head? How do I do this virtually? We want to be that natural sort of follow on of like, oh, I'm sure that Benji will have it. Okay. Okay. I got it. Okay. So that makes sense. And then also, this is designed to kind of bring that together. Cause I think one of the things that, you know, you can, and I've seen people, my term for it is MacGyver this stuff, right? Where you can MacGyver it. You can go have 15 different tools and, and paper clips and duct tape and try and pull this together, but it can get out of hand pretty quickly. And if I'm understanding right, you're bringing all that under kind of one roof. So instead of having to do it, you can augment what you're doing and improve the experience without having to have people log into 13 different things, correct? You got it. Yeah. So that's another thing that's starting to happen right now, which is um, just kind of tech tool overload. Um, I think we're already expecting someone to use a form of technology to just see and hear everyone else. Um, I, I think that ideally we'll be able to see something where it's all in one, but for now um, you've got your video conferencing tool and you can't expect people to use more than just like kind of one at that point. Okay. Um, and so some like, all right, if we're using Kahoot, then great. We've got a tool for us to be able to ask multiple choice questions to the group. Um, and that's the level of engagement we've got with folks. Or maybe we want to sort of have shared notes. Okay, we're using Google Docs. But I, I mean, it, it's kind of... It gets confusing for people. I mean, I can say from firsthand experience, it can get very confusing. Where you're, you got nine tabs open and you're asking yeah. people to go over here and then they got to switch. And then the problem with it too is with virtual engagement, when you lose people, 
like it's way harder to bring them back in. And if okay. they get frustrated, it's just easier to go, you know what? I'm, I'm out. Like I'm, yeah. I'm checking out. I think another problem that we've seen that we're really quite cognizant of is um, a lot of tech kind of is built in a way where they're kind of like, look at me, like, look how cool these features are. Look how like, you know, we've got really fantastic. That never happens. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> where we say that we don't want to be the star. We want to be the scaffolding. Okay. Um, so I think the best technology is the ones that, that feel invisible. So we're really trying to create such a seamless experience that um, it, 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 you almost don't even feel like you're using technology. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Well, so, I mean, it may make sense to kind of talk through and maybe we can show it as we're doing this, but you talked about, right, how this thing works. So, so do you have it up? Can we kind of see like, what's the experience like on both, both sides yeah, of it? For sure. So um, here we've got um, sort of our main screen, uh, which is here on the left. Okay. And then we've got, I've just pulled up here the participant view, but generally the format is uh, you'll have one person that will share the screen, which will be this. They're the host, the facilitator. And then everyone uh, that's sort of with that facilitator will join through their um, participant mode. So that's what I just got up here. So, um, so that, have, what you're logging into there, is that the host or is that the participant? This would be the participant. So okay. um, I'm going to sign in and, and sort of be you for uh, today's demo. And we've got um, a whole range of different types of activities. Uh, I don't want to kind of just do a gratuitous demo here, but- No, we don't have to do that, but we can just kind of yeah, talk through what some of them are. So our first one that I'm going to kind of go through is um, it's it's actually sort of pulled from that uh, a classic workshop activity, which is uh, called Where Do You Stand? Where you can ask people um, a question and then they need to go stand on the side of the room that corresponds with their answer. And it's just a nice way to kind of get to know the crowd. But of course, virtually we can't stand on a side of the room. Um, so we've yeah, kind we of can't even control where we sit in the Brady Bunch. Yeah, exactly. Pictures sometimes either. So this is kind of a silly icebreaker um, version of that where um, we've got first, you need to guess how you think the majority of the room will answer this question. Um, so do I think Chris would want to go to the future or to the past? Um, and then you get your chance to sort of answer the question where, um, you know, how, how is everyone in this room answering this either? Or okay. Question? okay. Um, and so once everyone's answered, you get to see sort of like the breakdown of, um, uh, sort of how everyone sort of would answer that question. So that's, that's just a silly icebreaker. Okay. Here's probably one of our first, um, real kind of uh, uh, high octane, like very valuable learning tool. It's okay. called the fill in the blank activity. We've had people use this for a huge variety. So one would be, hey, fill out this form as a way to um, kind of create a narrative of who you are. And, and you're going to share that with the group as an icebreaker. Uh, we've had people use this as a way to help people think through what makes a great elevator pitch, right? So it's, okay. you know, at... So you can customize what those questions are then and what fields people are inputting. You got it. So everything okay. here um, from a content point of view and even a design point of view can be changed. Um, but we're just providing the structure. So here we could say I help um, companies... Uh, by running sales, um, kind of training workshops, because people need uh, help with their sales training. So, um, not the most inspired. <laughs> um, there, there's your little fill in the blank. And what what's quite interesting about this is there's stages to this activity. So you're going to fill it out. We're then going to call a multi-stage thing. We're going to call on people to share what their statement was. And so okay. one thing that we've found is a, a huge issue with virtual environments is this concept of social loafing. It's this idea that, um, you know what, there's a big group of people. I can turn off my webcam. It's as if I'm not even there. I'm going to go play with the dog, do the dishes. But sort of the design inspiration behind so this idea of like visually calling people out by name really from like my ninth grade chemistry teacher who 
could be writing. You know, you're like dozing off in, in chemistry and then oh, they're cool. like, hey, Matt. <laughs> He's got the chalk in hand, writing out some organic chemistry. I, I don't know if we're doing that in grade nine, but you get the idea. Um, and, and he would point to people in the class without even turning his head. And we're always in different seats. Is that really a superhero ability? But what happened is it just infuses accountability within that entire room because you know that at any point you might get called on. You might get called on. And we all have an intrinsic fear of looking stupid amongst our peers. <laughs> and so um, this is really helpful. Uh, and how we finish this activity is uh, you then can vote on who was your favorite to fill in the blank. Okay. So all of these things are configurable. If you don't want to have a, a voting function, um, that's totally that. fine. You can sort of skip that. So I'm going to vote for you here. And thanks, thanks Matt. <laughs> and you're the winner for this activity. So, okay. which again, I mean, like some of these things, like we said, going back to the whole MacGyvering thing, I've seen, right. I've seen people try and do this, you yeah. know, through, okay, like go in a breakout room, jot things in the notes and then we'll bring, I mean, but it can be kind of a mess to, to some degree, if not, if you're not careful. Oh, totally. I, I mean, the, the, um, the likelihood that something's going to go wrong if you don't have it fully sort of designed out is very high. And we're just sort of making it a lot more fun and engaging. And so, so I'm curious, sorry to interrupt you. So yeah. with this though, because I think your, your point is an important one to hit on is that the intentionality and the design behind it is where I see a lot of this stuff go completely South, right? right. Like it just, people just kind of wing it and you know they and maybe they've been facilitating in a classroom for forever where you maybe could because you were comfortable with just like oh, i'm gonna make this up and and we'll just go with it and now you've been tossed into a virtual classroom and that doesn't work and so this whole idea of oh well let's see i used to do this icebreaker game so i'll just go in and wing it and suddenly I like to say virtual exposes all of your flaws, like everything you used to be able to get away with because you were really good at this or whatever, suddenly you can't pull it off anymore. And if you didn't put the time into that design to think, how's this going to work? It can go very south, very fast. And like we said, virtual is very unforgiving. So yeah. you blow an activity in the first five minutes that's going to have a long-standing impact on the rest of what you're doing. So this is not, you're not designing this in the moment, right? Yeah. So you'll go through our editor to sort of build this out. Um, and it's pretty straightforward, kind of drag and drop those activities. Um, so for example, the um, kind of the last uh, you're sort of setting, what's the, um, what's the label and sort of what's the blank? And what label was the blank? So you can kind of create whatever type of fill in the blank activity you want. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's you don't end up doing because you see this happen in virtual. I've I've been in them, and you're like, oh, and and some of it is a limitation of the tool where they're like, we're going to do a poll, and then for the next two minutes, you literally hear like clickety 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 click yeah. as the person's creating the poll to open up. And pretty soon people were, you know, checking their phones or something like that. So this is all, you're basically just seamlessly pulling this off. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, there are some things because um, it requires sort of pre-design that right now we're probably not the best fit for. So if, if there's going to be like a high level spontaneity, you have no idea where this workshop's going to go. Um, I mean, oh, we I like those are dangerous places. Those are dangerous places to yeah. be in the virtual world. <laughs> but if it's like, hey, you know what? These are the outcomes that we're needing to drive to. And I've kind of figured out these are these activities that will allow people to um, actually do something that will help them get there. Um, we feel that we're, we're really the, sort of the best option right now in the market. Okay. So how we're, we're looking at the UX here. And again, I, I'm also curious to kind of dig into what are some of these other types of, Ooh, good brainstorming. I'm looking forward to this one. But um, so like with this stuff from a user experience standpoint, how are people doing this? Because obviously most of the time when you're creating a virtual experience, the whole thing isn't just kind of the icebreaker stuff. Some of it is right. Well, we're doing some of this other stuff, or we're we're you know we may have something we're going through things along the way. Are people then kind of like infusing people with all right? Hey, this we're at this part of the agenda for the next I don't know five minutes. We're going to do this, or are people actually having the full 
experience be kind of through Benji? How are people balancing that? It's really um, kind of your choice. So we do have some, um, just as we're not going to be, we're never going to be as, as good at video conferencing as Zoom is, um, so we don't want to play within that sort of ballpark. We're not a presentation tool. We're never going to be as good as PowerPoint or sort of Google Slides. Yeah. But we've got some pretty sort of straightforward ways for you to be able to create some slides and integrate that into. Um, so in theory, you could. I mean, I, like you said, in theory, you could say, look, let's build this out. So instead of having to go from, okay, we're we're sharing over here. Oh, now we're sharing over here and doing this. You could, you could in theory say, look, let's just build the whole experience Absolutely. here. We'll share the screen and Benji will kind of control the experience and people will then interact through that. Totally. Okay. And so, I mean, another piece um, that we've seen helpful is, I mean, we're all starting to appreciate the, the value of breakout groups. Like if you've got more than I'd say 10 people, you have to start really using breakout groups if you want people to be able to have those sort of experiential learning moments. Yep. Um, and, but the problem with that is if you are pushing people into breakout groups and you've been relying on, on screen shares to communicate all the information that people need, a real downfall of breakout groups is that you can't screen share to all groups. So what we can do is we can sort of, let's say, create a, a sort of a title slide um, and put all the information that they need. And they've got that right in front of them with little okay. things that wouldn't even necessarily be, um, you don't know how val valuable they are until you actually see it. So you've got sort of like little timers. So you can have make a huge difference. Yeah, you, yeah. you've got some, some uh, way to actually keep people on time. So you time boxing those activities. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is that um, there are levels of interaction or levels of engagement um, with between our different activities where uh, the fill in the blank activity is like, okay, you got three minutes, fill this out. We're going to share it. We're going to vote on it. That's very Benji focused, but okay. we can also use Benji in ways that are, um, uh, so we're a bit more in the background and you're just using it when you need it. So for a brainstorming activity, it could be like push people to breakout groups. You're going to speak for 30 minutes. Um, we're really not the focus at that point, but when we all come back together, we're then going to submit ideas like, um, I think it's not that right? meerkat. So, um, <laughs> meerkat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're committing sort of, uh, not a chipmunk, not a chipmunk. Right. So you, you then are coming back to this place and okay. the, the way we view it, um, is that there's kind of three levels or three types of work within these virtual environments where you've got work that people do at the individual level. So that could be the fill in the blank example. You are putting that out yourself. There's breakout group work. Um, and then there is sort of like everyone in the main room work. So is the idea then, and I'm, I'm just figuring out user experience wise, right? Is, is the concept then that people are joining Benji on their phone? And I and I, there's a question that people keep asking and I, I'll pull this up next. So don't worry, Lulu and Kareen, I will ask this one. Um, but so is the idea then people are pulling up Benji on their phone and that's kind of consistent. It's like, you're always going to kind of have this so that you can engage this way. You're going to see it on here. But that way, when you go into the breakout, like you're almost kind of incorporating your phone plays a role in this all the time. And I mean, I guess technically if you have multiple screens or you've mm -hmm. got a big monitor, you could say have another tab open. But yeah. in theory, it's always that it's like Benji's always part of the experience. It's just sometimes it's sitting on the sidelines and then sometimes you're actually pushing it and saying, hey, you know, it's your shot at the big game. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So one of the questions completely unrelated a little bit, but I'm actually curious too. Your name's Matt. Where did the name Benji come from? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny story, um, but uh, I mean, okay, so about five years ago, I uh, was grabbing lunch with my mom, and uh, she just seemed like really annoyed, kind of upset, and uh, I was like, what's going on? Like, just get off your chest, and she said, I have to tell you, I, ha I hate the name Red Academy, um, which was the name of the tech school that I was part of that sort of, that uh, we launched. I was like, okay. what's, what's wrong with Red Academy? 
And this is 100% a generational thing. She's like, it sounds like you're training the next generation of comrades. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, um, well, URL is, is purchased. Business cards are printed. Like it's, it's Red Academy. Um, but I was like, I'll tell you what, next company I start, I'll call Benji. And that's kind of an internal Parson household joke because uh, I, for actually quite some time, went unnamed because my mom, <clears throat> excuse me, really wanted to name me Benji after the dog. And my dad said, there's no way we're naming my firstborn son after a dog. Like, that's just out of the question. And so, um, what was only ever meant to be a total joke, um, as many things do, Benji was then kind of like our, our, um, placeholder name and we that realized is, yeah that it, is so funny okay so it's like you didn't have any and by the way i've got a bunch of kids and we our latest our fifth we didn't name him for a bit so i can relate yeah. to the whole right you just you didn't have the name you couldn't come up with it so yeah. that was that was what your mom wanted she didn't get to name you benji but yeah. this was your way of paying it back to say you know what mom i'll name the next company benji exactly. yeah so that is that is absolutely fantastic. Okay, well, I, I, I like that. Well, hopefully, hopefully we we got that one for you. And and his answer delivered to the expectations everybody was asking in the comment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so so let let's talk about this again though. Going back to to the virtual stuff. So as people are doing this, where do some of these things? go south because we've been talking about this mm -hmm. as right the seamless experience it, it makes sense to me right i think of some of these other tools that are out there I, I i get there's definitely more capability that i've seen from what you've shown so far but so you've got this kind of dual experience but where do people run into challenges or if they don't necessarily with the tech where do people hiccup because i think sometimes people have this false expectation that going virtual is easy we used to just do it this way and now we're just going to pop our stuff over here. We're going to move our box over here. And it doesn't always go so well. It can get a little bit uncomfortable. So what, what are people, what are you seeing people run into? So we really see there being three core issues when okay. someone's trying to transition from their in-person experiences to, to virtual. So the first, I think, is probably the most easily understood by, by everyone, which is that um, you sort of giving a presentation within a, a room of people um, is just far more engaging than you doing it virtually. And the reason is, is that there's a lot of information that's lost when you um, are transmitting sort of your, your voice and your, your image through a webcam, through some cables, and then it's, it's showing up on someone's screen elsewhere. And so this idea of a f the flattening of communication is really sort of uh, an issue that needs to be overcome um, within the, these virtual sort of workshops. And um, to pull one tactic that uh, pull a, a tactic that was shared by the um, NYU marketing prof uh, at uh, at Stern, Scott Galloway, he said you should when you are sort of speaking, try and speak as if you're reading a story to an eight year old. So like massively uh, uh, sort of differentiating your, your inflections and sort of, um, sort of being highly animated. And it might feel a little bit ridiculous at, at first, but the reality is, is that if you're kind of being 120% kind of uh, overload, that's probably then going to be normalized down to 100% once it's received on the other end. Um, another tactic in this area of, of – um, it is really before you go to that one though. It is really interesting because you do see that a lot, right? Yeah. And I've seen this over the years, even in my own teams, where you have a really dynamic facilitator, and in person, right? They're really dynamic. They're animated. They can kind of capture a room. People are really engaged, and they join, you know, a virtual session. And like, even if they're they're themselves, although I feel like a lot of people don't even keep that same energy there, but. I mean, they just go boop and it, it does just bring down the whole environment because you really do set the tone, right? As the facility, if you have no energy, yeah, guess what? Neither does anybody else. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think, I mean, you hit on a point that's, that's a tough one to really uh, solve, which is that if you're someone who like feeds off the energy of other people as a trainer or facilitator, uh, you've got to find new ways to sort of adapt. Um, maybe it's 
a couple of Red Bulls before your, your work up. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, this you, is seltzer water, by the way. I'm not drinking yeah, Red yeah. Bull. Um, but yeah, you, you have to. You have to bring that energy. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's kind of, it's just one of the, the realities of these environments. One thing that actually, I mean, this actually kind of leads to the second um, point, which is, a lot of people when they move virtual think that, okay, let's just try and find the one-to-one -one sort of replacement of what I did in person virtually. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work, but also you're leaving a lot on the table. There are certain things that you can do now virtually that um, you, you, couldn't. you couldn't. And so for example, there's, there's an app that has recently come out uh, called um, Mm-hmm. So it's, it's literally spelled M-M-H-H-M-M. And their story behind the name is they wanted a name that you could say while eating food, um, <laughs> which is pretty funny. So like effectively, they're, they're providing a very easy way for you to give that like um, uh, sort of late night talk show uh, experience with like the graphics behind you you your head can float down to the side come up it's super dyna dynamic and what and effectively what they're doing is making it easy for you to integrate um alternative mediums and and media yeah into your talk so they've got a silly thing where like let's say you can't um see some graph behind you you can sort of slowly decrease your um transparency and you look like a, a jedi ghost which is pretty funny <laughs> Um, so like people need yeah. to have, they need to have fun with it, which maybe even yeah. comes back to that earlier point where like you need to find ways to sort of uh, play within this new sandbox, um, introducing different media, um, is, is one way to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is that's one of my biggest things is that it is one of the issues I see when we try and play in these new spaces is when you do that one-to-one -one translation, I like the way you framed it, right? You're leaving things on the table. And the word I use for things is like, we need to reimagine the possibilities because the beauty is technology is actually eliminating a lot of the rules we used to have to follow. Like, well, we have to do it this way or we do it because this is the, you know, but it's like, says who anymore? I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, virtual reality and things. It's like, if you want people to come in on chariots of fire with confetti cannons, you can do it. Right. right. You can literally do whatever you want. And so kind of going back to the whole, well, this is how we did it. So how would we do that to me is a miss. Cause it's like, well, what would you do if you could do anything? And yeah. if you could do anything, what would that look like? And then let's see if we can create that because if we can, why wouldn't we let's not, let's not yeah. bound ourselves to what we've had. And I think the other thing you brought up that is a really important one that um, continues to, I think just be an area for people is this whole idea of reimagining the activities, right? The activities you do, there are things that, yes, you might say, well, we can't do that virtually, right? Like as a facilitator, you might go, well, I used to get energy by reading the room or doing this kind of thing. And now I can't do that. And my response to that is you can't do that the way you used to do it. That's right. You still can, but you now need to figure out okay, if this is as a facilitator, what gave me energy or how I read the room, maybe you can't do that the same way you used to, but I'm pretty sure with tech, you can figure out how to get those pulses, how to get those readings, how to do that kind of stuff. And I think that's one of the things that's interesting with tools like yours, where it's like, well, this actually does give you opportunity to start to read the room, see who those people are, who you need to engage, who yeah. do you need to lean into, things like that. So that instead of just feeling like, well, I'm in Zoom, so... I'm bound to read through PowerPoint slides for the next 90 minutes. Like, don't, no, you don't. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, to pick off of one of those points of um, like a real struggle of, of trying to do something that was analog now digitally. Um, let's talk about you, you got everyone into breakout groups and they're working along and sort of hopefully making some good progress. The analog version is you walk around the room yep. and you check in on people. Like you can see, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up a couple of furrowed brows over here. Let's pop in and see if I can help them in, in any way. 
the digital version of that we call the cool mate the kool-aid man uh effect where it's like you are so disruptive you're smashing through this wall yeah hey uh, how is everyone and it completely sort of um ruins the flow and the energy of that room where um one thing that we're working on right now is is a bit more akin to sort of you're on a plane and you've got a couple options to call the stewardess. So what's a, just a really easy, lightweight way for groups to communicate that they're ready to move on. Uh, so you can, in a kind of a, uh, a live way, see, okay, about 80% of the groups are, are, are done okay. as well as, um, Hey, we need a little help. So uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the, if you think about what really are you trying to understand by walking around the room, yeah, it's where are people as far as like the progress and do people need help? Well, it's like, well, let's try and find um, an intuitive way to get that information back to you. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in, in a way that, that the thing is, it's so important in, in this point you're talking about, right, which is deconstructing the purpose of mm -hmm. what we did before. I think sometimes it was easy to get caught in well, we just did this. Yeah. And we stopped asking, and, and this has forced us to kind of do this, and I think we need to spend more time doing this, but but why? What were we really hoping that people would walk away from? And if the answer was, I don't know, well, maybe you didn't really need it. Maybe it really wasn't that important. But if it was yeah. like, we did this because we were trying to see if people had captured this, or we used to do this so that, like you said, we knew where people were in kind of their knowledge gap. The, okay, well, now we can work off that because we can say, well, then what are some different things that we can do? And it sounds like, and just from what we've seen so far, that's really a lot of what you've done with Benji is to say, okay, how do we incorporate, you've done the deconstruction for people already, I guess, in many regards. Yeah, uh, it's it's um, kind of operating from first principles in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, another tip, just real quick on yeah. this, like flattening communication. Uh, one piece that not everyone has really sort of jumped onto, but I'd recommend is let's think about like what what are those points of communication that you no longer are getting because you're in a virtual environment um, and try and create like a visual communication language. So that might be something as simple as like um, everyone needs to have a red piece of paper or a yellow piece of paper. It could be um, instead of having to like pop up a poll and have everyone look to their phones um, for just a quick pulse check. Just use your hands. Like, how is everyone? Five, four, four, three, two, one. Um, again, very simple. Engage with them tactically, like you would normally. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, that would be one tip as far as if you found something that is lacking. Uh, are there really simple ways that you can sort of bring in um, visual ways of communicating that? Okay. It's, it's funny. I had somebody from my team once uh, and, and she had created this activity where we all printed out. It was, it was red herring and I think it was taxi cab, right? And these things, you kept them on your desk. And when you had meetings, they had meaning, right? Yeah. Which was you knew what to do and that's what you did because everybody's sitting there watching the cameras and that's how you knew like we're, we're off track. Somebody's waving the red herring. They're telling us we've, you know, we're, we're out of control, things like that. So I think it is a, a practical thing. I think the thing though, um, that I would add to this that is really simple, but I think sometimes overlooked way too often is a lot of times we don't set expectations with participants that this is what to expect. Because mm -hmm. the reality is most people's experience with virtual has not been good, mm -hmm. right? Like we have to acknowledge the fact that most people's experience has actually been pretty poor. And so for many people, when you've had over and over, right? You've been basically trained that when you go to a virtual thing, you alt tab, you put yourself on mute and you get some work done while people, you know, talk through their slides. And if you think of something, maybe say something, but you're not really there. And I've seen this go south where when people, that's what they're expecting. They come in and you go, and it's going to be this fun, engaging thing. And yeah. because I've heard that before, this is going to be an engaging event. Yeah. Aging event means I'll remember to do Q and a at the end if we have enough time. And so they're, they're kind of trained for that. And when you don't set those expectations up front, people don't come mentally and physically prepared to do it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's such a simple thing to say, 
and give people the heads up. We're, we're going to be, this will be engaging. These are the kinds of things that you need to come prepared for. I, I'm going to call on you. They're, they're going to be doing this so that they can make sure, okay, don't double book your meetings. This isn't the type of meeting that you go to and then leave on a second screen, right? So that they're actually prepared. And it, it seems so simple, but I have seen that dramatically change the effectiveness and impact of virtual sessions when you do it. Totally. Absolutely. Um, what we kind of um, have looked to is there's this concept in, in media studies called uh, active or uh, passive mediums where passive would be, or sorry, lean back or lean in medias. Lean back would be watching TV, uh, which is I think what a lot of these virtual sort of workshops using air quotes, because a lot of times it's a lot more like just <laughs> webinars or, or kind of um, yeah. live streams, which is totally fine. But if you want to create a more engaging sort of workshop, hands-on environment, um, do that. Don't sort of say that you're going to do that and then just offer a, a webinar. Um, and so one of the primary differentiators between a lean back media uh, and a lean in, sort of lean in example would be playing a video game, is that the people that are engaged with that media actually have some ability to influence the outcome of what happens. So um, and put another way, those people that are joining you have a responsibility to the other people for the group's success. Yep. And there's really like lightweight, simple ways that you can bring more people in to feel that responsibility. So for example, if you've got a group of 10 people, assign someone the role of being the timekeeper. That person can't go off and, and play with the dog and do the dishes now. Because they're accountable. They're accountable. So another way, I mean, you, there's, there's so many different you know, types of roles that you yeah. can engage. So you could say, um, look to six thinking hats. Um, option where they've got like the devil advocate uh you've got someone who's um i think the gray hat is someone who's sort of responsible for finding data to support a decision or someone who's the optimist what have you but really think about what are the responsibilities that i'm outlining um for all participants because if they're if they don't have uh any responsibility if they have no sort of um input on the likelihood of success of that group Maybe this shouldn't be a workshop. Maybe it should be uh, sort of an asynchronous video or an yeah, email. just record it. Just record it and send it to them. And there's no need for everyone to sort of be there uh, live. Okay. It's, it is funny how some of these things are, are so simple, right? They're small. It's, it's some of these small details that you can make, some of these small changes that you can do that can dramatically enhance the experience um, for, for everybody involved. And I think they're, the point you just made is an important one that we need to be okay with that sometimes you just need to record it and send it to people like forcing people to block their calendar and show up live to something that there really is no purpose to them being live because ultimately the goal is just to get this information communicated out. Okay. Well then give people the flexibility and personalization to say, Hey, this is important go through it on your own time, right? Like I don't need to waste your lifetime on it. Cause especially now, man, people have enough distractions to try and take people's live time. You really need to have a compelling argument. Yeah. And it's probably even more effective of a way to communicate because let's say someone doesn't understand something you just said, uh, there is no rewind button for live. Right. There is for asynchronous. Right. Right. You can ask comments and things like that, but I find a lot of times people even struggle with paying attention and answering that and they don't see it till the very end. Mm. And then it's like, oops, sorry. So, right. so what other types of things, right? We've only got a couple minutes left. I told you we were going to run out of time. Right. But so, you know, what other types of functionalities or what other types of activities have you seen or that you've built into Benji? I think from a user experience standpoint, it makes pretty clear sense how you use it. And I actually kind of like the idea that you're just sharing your screen, showing that, and then people are kind of, regardless of what they're doing, keeping that seamless experience. But what other types of things are people using to kind of draw out, make people lean in, I guess, going back to the term you used? Sure, yeah. Um, well, we've got, what we've got up here is um, our sort of breakout room activity, which really is more just a, 
a segue to other ones that we had. So we've got um, role play activities, which are super helpful. So like, let's say um, you want to break everyone off into groups of three and each person gets their own unique role card. So we've used this a lot in sales training where you don't want the salesperson to know, uh, you know, exactly the reasons that someone might be objecting. So to be able to have like secret instructions is really helpful. Um, but what we're going to be doing here is, um, so, uh, okay. so people can either be assigned, um, sort of by the facilitator or I'm going to sort of assign you through the participant view is what's called our kind of interactive team notes. So what's really cool, I mean, you won't be able to see it because uh, my phone is sort of the other participant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can sort of create different worksheets. So if you think about, okay, this has to be one of the simplest activities to run in person, put people into pairs, give them a sheet of paper with some content and some questions, and then call on them after to share their thoughts. Okay. If you want to do that virtually, and let's say you've got a group of, of 16, so eight breakout rooms, you're going to have to create eight different Google Docs, make sure that each breakout room has the right link for them to collaborate. <laughs> totally insane. Where here, you put people in the groups, you've got sort of whatever content, you kind of design it beforehand, um, and uh, basically the group can start to collaborate and all the notes that you're sort of typing here, live updates on my phone. So okay. we've got- We'd both be looking at that, what's on the phone, and we would see each other's things, but you're not, you as the host are not having to manage and facilitate like, okay, Matt and Christopher have to go into breakout room one and I hope they have the right Google doc to be doing all this stuff. You got it. So you can basically, um, create like mini areas for collaboration. So everyone in the group can sort of uh, see and comment on this. We're gonna press submit. Um, it's a little check mark, everyone's done. We just got this screen. So all the floating heads as they're popping back from the breakout rooms to the main screen. Um, and we're now gonna call on folks to share their thoughts. So um, we can see, so these are the notes that we took. Um, and you and I have this, the floor for the next two minutes. And, okay. and the very simple thing that we've found is that if you've got a larger group, we call it up, up here, uh, the Canadian standoff where, um, <laughs> it's tough once you get larger groups of people to have these, these discussions feel very free flowing. Yeah. Because really what's happened is, is we no longer have peripheral vision and access to body language, which what that's happened, what, what the impact of that now is that we're like inept at being able to like know who's the next person to speak and yeah, should I simple thing. Yep. And so basically, yeah, we, we've created like more or less a digital talking stick where you're giving people the ability to chat. Let's say we don't need the full minute. Uh, we're going to say we're done and it's going to move on to the next activity. Okay. Um, well, and I can see, right, You, I'm sure everybody watching can picture, right, that in, in a traditional approach, which is, okay, we're back from the breakout rooms. Who wants to go first? Can we have someone from, a, right? And it's just this, like, it. awkward pause. And what you need is that prompt to kind of say, hey, we're making this easy for you. And I guess it goes back to what you originally talked about, which was, what was the MVP? What were those small nudges that had the biggest impact. And some of them are small, like, you know what, Matt and Christopher, you have two minutes, right? Like, there you go. I've made it easy. We know who we're talking to. We know how long you have. And in front of you, you have your notes to keep it simple. So that instead of having to try and figure all that out, where's the Google doc? Did you close? Oh, okay. Right. Like it's simplified. That's exactly it. That you, you took the words out of my mouth. It's sort of what are those small little cues? Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we're our library of different activities are growing. Um, one that we're working on right now that I'm super excited about is kind of game show buzzing. So um, similar sort of problem that you talked about of um, put a question to the group of like, hey, who has the answer here? Crickets. <laughs> where um, you can have everyone buzz in, and the first person that buzzes in gets the chance to sort of take a guess as to what the, the answer is. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's just, right, the, it was awesome to get to see the actual 
user experience, see how that works. And I mean, I'm sure there's far more activities that we could have dug into, but I mean, I, I think it gave an actual sense of like how you could use this. And I think the biggest thing is, right, thinking in addition to the tech, some of these other things we've talked about in terms of the intentionality behind it, setting expectations, the design ahead of time and thinking about that experience, um, you know, how you facilitate so that the tech can be an enabler to make it a better experience. So this has been, this has been fantastic. You know, hopefully everybody watching just based on the comments um, you've been able to take some things out of this. And, and again, I think, you know, what you put together is a, a pretty solid tool in terms of how it can help enable this stuff. So thanks for joining me, Matt. Uh, thanks for sharing with everybody. And uh, thanks everybody else for being here. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday and a great weekend.